0: You're listening to Finding Walter, a podcast about vocation, seeking purpose, and doing good. I'm Ben Walter, a chef, coffee roaster, and armchair philosopher based out of Fort Worth, Texas. I started my journey to discover my vocation, find my purpose, and do good six years ago. It's been a winding roller coaster of a ride, and I'm still discovering more and more every day. My hope is the thoughts I share here will help you find. guys welcome to this episode three of season five um look at this i'm actually staying on top of some kind of recording schedule um cool uh so um i guess between last week and this week not a whole lot has happened um I've put out a couple of things with household in the sense of uh, some recipes and a blog post. Um, I did a little blog post about uh, motivation and how I keep myself motivated, and um, that was really re- I really had a lot of fun writing that. Really getting into some of my psyche and understanding how I've really been able to continue to build what I've been building for the past decade, um, and just getting up every morning and doing that. And so, uh, you can go, uh, read that in two places. Uh, you can go on household's website at we are household.com, or you can go to my medium, which now has its own URL, which is the And you do have to either have a medium membership or at least five art free articles. Uh, you get five articles a month if you're not a member. Um, So, to read it there, but if you do read it there, I get a little bit of kickback, um, money-wise. And so, it's always a help, if you know what I mean. So, what are we going to talk about this week? Um, To be honest, uh, I think the one thing that has been ever-present on my mind over the past week, coming weeks, is minimum wage. Um, and, uh, I'm sorry, sorry if you can hear that plane, you may not be able to actually hear that plane. Um, yeah. So, uh, anyways, um, so minimum wage. Um, so like, let's start off with talking about where I, I began with my journey with, you know, working and that kind of thing. And, I think the first um, my first pay was five dollars and fifty cents an hour, um, and I was at Spring Creek Barbecue, um, and I worked very minimal amount of time. Um, it's really hard to remember what my paychecks were. I can't even remember how many hours I worked a week because I was going to school at the same time. Um, but then I um, I moved on from there to um i went to hobby lobby i started working at hobby lobby for a little bit and i think i was getting five dollars and 75 cents there um which is crazy to think about now that like when i was in high school um over a decade ago that um that's how low minimum wage was um but i digress Finally, I think by the time I was in college, I was working at Jamba Juice and I was getting seven twenty-five an hour um, and then I got a raise when I became a manager. I can't remember what the raise was. I know that it was pretty good though. Um, and then started working at Freebirds, you know, gradually getting more and more money um, and then I think that by the time I got to when I was working um, at AT&T, I was getting like eleven seventy-one an hour um, which that would have been 2013, 2014, somewhere around there. Um, and then just gradually by the time I got married, I started working in a a more office setting and I was getting more of a salary. Um, there wasn't necessarily an hourly with that. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of wanted to talk through some of, uh, that kind of thing of like where my progression has been. So maybe you can see where some of my ideas are coming at with this idea. Um, and my, my idea, my, my ideas behind this are mine. Um I, I think that it, everybody that has something to say about this has something that adds to the conversation personally. Um And so I think there's a lot of things that we need to talk about when it comes to, how we get paid, how much we get paid, why we're getting paid. Um, And to to continue the conversation, the the first thing that I want to say is I think that a lot of things, I think we need to to recenter our our conversation about wages um, around productivity. Um, And also just the type of job, um, to be quite honest. And there's probably going to be a lot of you on both sides of the aisle that completely disagree with the premise that I am literally about to set um, but there are some jobs that literally do not warrant a 40 hour work week. Um, and really, when I think about even some of the office jobs I've had, I was only productive for maybe about two and a half hours, maybe three hours a day. Uh, the rest of the time, to be honest, um, I mean you're either reading emails or you're talking to your, you know, office mate or, or whatever and not to say that work didn't get done, it's just really the amount of work that there was really only amounted to maybe twelve to fifteen hours a week. Now that would change season by season because there would be certain projects that would take much more time and that kind of stuff, but Within the office sphere I've worked in, that's really what productivity looked like. Now, let's juxtapose that with restaurant work. Restaurant work is an interesting bird, if you will, because I still kind of have the same amount of thought process of like really how many hours are productive um, because there are dead times. Um, and yes, during those dead times, we should be, you know, cleaning. The whole adage of, you got time to lean, you got time to clean. But then my next question is what happens when everything is clean? What happens when everything is prepped? You're just standing there. I had this mentality for a long time that even if I was scheduled until four in the afternoon, if it was two o'clock and we had been dead for an hour or hour or two and all everything was prepped, everything was cleaned, well, I have nothing to do. And so, there's other things that I need to go take care of outside of my job, whether it be life stuff or all that kind of thing. So, I also had the idea that if I'm just standing here hoping that a customer walks in, well, my buddy that owns the business, like, he's paying me to stand, and I don't know. To me, I feel like I was just stealing money at that point, even if he had scheduled me to 3 or 4 p.m. It's like, well, there's just no point in me being here. So... I'm going to jet out um, and if that's cool with you or if you don't see anything that needs to be done and more often than not, that's how it was. It's just like, yep, yeah, go ahead and get out of here, man. There's nothing to do. And so, um, which doesn't necessarily help either because, you know, you need those hours. But that, that what I want to point out with all this is that this is so much more complex than just everybody should get $15 an hour. I want good wages for everyone. And I think that what I what where I want to take this is I want to take it back from the wage and I want to talk to you all about maybe what I would consider what would be business ethics. Um and how I want to someday run my company. And so when I, when I think about how household will will compensate workers and stuff like that i look at it a little differently um w- where i look at it is is that there, there's some there's some operating documents that i've put together for household and i have decided that the cap for my salary with this company from now until the end of time um and i think that i did attach some kind of like um, inflation percentage increase to this. Um, but regardless, I have set the cap for my salary at 75 grand a year. Um, now that doesn't mean that when we are officially open running, I'm full time with this, and I'm getting 75 grand. It just means that I'm working up to that 75 grand. Now, as you know, with businesses, there's always overhead costs, there's rent, there's food cost. there's all kinds of stuff. And there's labor. um, Well, the way that I see it is, is that the workers within household will get a base pay of $15 an hour plus tips. And then whatever is left over at the end of the year that does not go back into overhead costs and food costs and just like investment, investing back into the business to build more of the business, whatever is left over, I don't get that. That doesn't come to me. That goes back to the workers that goes back to everybody else because um, you know if i've re- if i've reached my my cap um then like they will get what is left over um that that's my hope and, and that will probably change from year to year um the cap will probably increase for me but overall the cap for me that i want is 75 grand a year plus some kind of inflation percentage um, just depending um no, I don't want. I don't want six figures. I don't want any of that kind of stuff. I have done enough research, and I live. I, I, I want to slash live in such a way that that's all I need. That's all my family needs. Um, and, and honestly, like I don't think it's really a whole lot. I think that it's actually pretty conservative, if you will, to live off of just that. Um, but what I do want to get across this is my appreciation for those that are helping me build this and how there is something built into this whole like culture of household that we're going to make sure that you're well off. We're going to make sure that you are almost getting to where I'm at, or we're all, we're at the same place. That's the goal. Like, how can we get to a point where we are all thriving? How can we get to a point where your cap is 75 grand or, or whatever? Um, and, and looking into things like how do we provide health insurance? How do we provide dental vision? How do we provide all these things? How can we shut down for a month and everybody gets a sabbatical every year? Like these kinds of things, like really, really restructuring how we work. Um, and and household is not just the restaurant piece. It's, it's, it's not just the coffee shop piece. It's also media. It's also writing. There's there's so many things that we're wanting to do with household. And so, yeah, like when it comes down to it, there could be a month that we all take off. And we're like, you know what? We're going to take a week or two up to to some mountain range or whatever. We're renting out a huge cabin. And we're going to spend the whole week hanging out and writing together and making videos and, and creating recipes and all that kind of stuff. Like, let's pick out the slowest month of the year like that we barely like like that we barely make any money off of selling coffee and food. Let's shut down. Let's shut down. And so that goes into the productivity thing. Like let's go back to the productivity thing real quick with with restaurants. Do restaurants really need to be open? Let's say you're a lunch a lunch and dinner restaurant. Do restaurants really need to be open from 11 to 10 at night? Do they really need to be? Or do you look at the food that you're providing and decide is this more lunch food or more dinner food, and you just open for that time period, and then you price your food accordingly to how you can pay your people well. This is what I have to say to some of the the arguments against a fifteen dollar fifteen dollar minimum wage from business owners. This is this is something, and then I'm going to also give another thing in support of them. But this is this is something I want to tell tell them. If you have gone into the restaurant business to be rich, to make money, to, to I don't know, you're in the wrong business. Like, legitimately. This is not a business, like, this business model literally is not built for you to make massive amounts of money. Yes, you can rig the system. You can gamify the restaurant industry to such a way that you become rich. However, Let's look at some of the people. Let's look at some of the people within the restaurant industry that now pull six figures, millions of dollars, or seven figures. Like that, they, they are millionaires. They have multiple locations. They have media deals. They have sponsorships. They have, across the board, multiple revenue streams. It's not just a restaurant. More often, when you look at a restaurant, it's actually not doing well. Even the ones that get five stars. Even the Michelin star restaurants. Like, if they're doing well, like Noma. Noma in in, in Copenhagen. Rene Redzepi's, you know, I think they're three Michelin star right now. Um, Like, yes, they are probably doing just fine. But at the same time, like, Rene Redzepi gets paid to do interviews and he gets paid to do all kinds of, like, media stuff. Um, Like... Which allows him not to maybe take as much from NOMA. And I don't know this pervade him, but like probably it allows him not to take as much from NOMA. And he, you know, puts most of the money that NOMA makes back into NOMA or into the 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 chefs themselves. And so, um what I gotta say to to those in the restaurant industry, owners of restaurants and stuff, that are saying, We're not gonna be able to afford a $15 minimum wage, we're gonna go under. Well, Um, did you come into this hoping that you would be making crap tons of money because you shouldn't have, if you want to make crap tons of money, that's your goal. There are plenty of industries for you to go and, and, and do that. There really are. Um, I, I, I know people that, that work 40 hours a week that make high high six figures. Um, and if that was your goal, then you should have gone and done it. Um, you should have gone and done that, not this, and just been a foodie. <laughs> like, If food is something that you're really passionate about, then you should have been a foodie and you should have gone and been an accountant. Like, Let's just be honest, or a plumber or an electrician. That's what you should have done. Um, But if you're passionate about it, then you should just understand that, yeah, like this is just part of it. And to keep it going, like I do need to pay my people. Um, and we do need to look out for each other. And maybe I'm rambling at this point. I'm not making a whole lot of sense. But let's also look at it from the side of the business owner. Okay. Yes. They have put in risk, right? There has been some risk they put in into providing the space for this to happen, renting or buying the equipment, um, getting the business licenses. They've put in a lot of money, right? And, like, yeah, like they, they should get a little bit more because of the risk they've put in. Of course, I, I get that. But more often than not, the gap is just crazy between, like, an owner and the employees. Uh, And well, I mean a restaurant more often than not actually like (laughs) the owner of the restaurant actually isn't making anything at all while everybody else is making hourly pay. But I digress. Like the, the, it's, I say all this to talk about the minimum wage. I say all this to talk about the fact that it is a complex issue. Very, very complex. And it's hard for me because I am wanting to implement some of these ideas that a lot of people were espousing out there on my own without anything from the government forcing me to do anything. And that's where I stand is that more often than not, you have people in Washington, DC, they are in their Capitol buildings. They are they're They're up there and that's great and all, but they are, more often than not, don't completely understand the micro economies of America. They may understand the macro, but they don't understand the micro. And and the, the what could possibly happen with a fifteen dollar minimum wage in certain counties of Texas or in certain areas. Um, sure, there are tons of things to be af- like I guess you could say to be afraid of with a, with a fifteen dollar minimum wage. Um, you have the possibility of milk prices going massively up. Um, you have, I mean, like it's crazy what could happen. And the thing is, maybe it wouldn't, maybe it won't. I mean, a lot of people say that it is going to happen if we raise it to that point. Um, and that it, it, to a certain extent it will even out. Um, and that's hard, that that's hard to, to quantify, I don't have enough research to sit here and say, but it is something that does cross my mind. Okay, well, if, I don't know, let's say, for instance, McDonald's has to pay all their workers $15 an hour now, well, they've got to cover that cost somehow. Maybe McDonald's is a bad thing because they already have crap tons of money, um, and so technically they could probably like be okay with giving $15 an hour, which a lot of them already are. Let's talk about a mom and pop. Let's talk about a small mom and pop like pizza shop or something like that. So they have to start paying everybody fifteen dollars an hour, and they're doing all right. They're they're the the pizza shop is busy all the time. They're doing all right. They're bringing in money, um, but then they've got to start paying instead of paying their cooks like twelve dollars an hour. They got to start paying their cooks. Um, well, maybe more like seventeen dollars an hour, because well they're going to want a little bit more than minimum wage because they've already been making roughly $4, $5 past minimum wage already. Um, and then the other thing is, is that, okay, so you have your front of house that has been making more like maybe nine, $10 an hour, um, which is two seventy-five to $3 past. Um, so you're already, let's just say that like you keep that thing, right? So you're looking at $17 for front of house, $20 for back of house an hour. Okay, let's say that you have two cooks all day long. Um, that's all you have is two cooks, and it's twenty dollars an hour. And you're open from let's just say eleven to eleven. Actually, let's say eleven to to nine to make it an, an even ten hour shift. Okay, so you got two cooks. They're both making twenty dollars an hour. Okay, so you're looking at um, in an hour, it's cost $40 to, to hire them. They, they're, you have two cooks all day. Maybe they shift out, but it's still the same. So you're looking at that you have uh, you have $400, $400, right, of labor just for your cooks. And um, let's say that you have two front-of-house people all day long, um, and that's – let's say we're going to pay them $17 an hour. And there are two of them and you times that by um, 10. And so you're at $340. So, so far with your labor, you're at $740 a day. Um, and you're open six days a week. You're looking at $4,440 just in labor a week. Um, and let's say you sell your, your pizza slices for 350 a slice, right? Um, and let's go ahead and make your PPA you know price per, per person per patron um, let's say that it you sell a coke for two bucks and a salad for four bucks let's say that you can convince everybody to get a salad a coke and a slice of pizza so 350 for the pizza plus let's just say that it's you know like 350 for the salad and then two dollars for the coke nine dollars PPP or uh, PPA Um so we're at 4,440, so how many of those meal deals would you need to um, to sell a week to meet your labor? So you would need to sell f- about 489 different combo meals, 489 different combo meals, right, um, in a week. So let's divide that by six. So you're looking at, you would need just, this is just to cover your labor, right? You would need to sell about 82 of these a day. So 82 of these a day in a 10 hour period. And this, it doesn't sound horrible. So you need to sell nine an hour. You would need to have a consistent nine customers an hour, all buying a slice of pizza, salad, and Coke for $9. You need nine people per hour to cover just your labor. Just your labor for the week. And um, I've worked in a lot of restaurants. You have, you have maybe, maybe... Oh, I would say four to five hours a day that are you have customers coming in because you have customers coming in for lunch, which is usually about eleven to one, maybe pushes to, and then you have people coming in for dinner, which usually is about five thirty to eight thirty. So six hours. So let's say nine. Uh, let, let, let's say you go back to that four thousand uh, or that four thousand four hundred hours a week, and there's only six hours of productivity in a day. So $4,400 is that labor divided by the $9 for that combo meal. You'd still need to sell 480 a week divided by six days of operation. That's 80, $82 or 82 combo meals a day, right? But you only have six productive hours a day. So let's divide that by six now. So you would need to sell 14 of these combo meals a day. Once again, just to cover labor. That's it. So, let's do... like, And this might get boring. This may be getting boring for you all, but I want to go through this. So, let's go through this and let's instead... Let's say, okay, we've got to pay this $17 an hour for for front house and $20 an hour for for backup house. Okay. So, you're still sitting at $4,400 a week in labor. But let's say, instead, we raise our pizza slice to five and our... um salad to five and we'll, we'll we'll keep our coke at two because it's a fountain and fountain drinks are technically really really cheap so you're looking at twelve dollars right so twelve dollars PPA price per or yeah price per patron PPP whatever um so twelve dollars we're at that forty four hundred dollars a week for labor divided um divided by 12 you need to sell 367 of these mills now so you've got, come down to to you come down from 100 so let's divide that by 6 that means you have to sell 62 a day that 6 hours of product product productivity hours um okay now you have to sell 10 or yeah close to 11 you're looking at 11 and what were we a second ago? You had to sell, I can't remember what I said, but you can, I mean, you're listening to the podcast so you can go back and see how many I, saw, I said we needed to sell. So you need to sell 10, you need to sell 60 of these combo meals a day, but that's the thing just to cover the labor. So let's go on average and this is going to like, let's go on average and let's talk about overhead and I'm not going to go through everything here, but we're just going to go through a couple of things. You got to rent the place, right? And right now, I know that um, I think that in some of the more like popular areas in Fort Worth, right now, I think that rent is going like fifteen dollars a square foot. Um, I think actually it's pushing twenty. Let's just say twenty, because that actually makes more sense. So twenty dollars a square foot, and let's say that you get a thousand square foot space. That's freaking small, but let's just say that you are able to run your restaurant in a thousand square foot space. Um, so. 20 times a thousand um maybe I'm, I'm hold on I'm not doing this correct 20 dollars $20 a square foot times one thousand um yeah for some reason this isn't working out in my head but what what I do know is that the average rent for a, a place is about I think it's somewhere around like um I think that some people are paying upwards of uh, six to eight thousand a month, I think, for some places. So let's just say eight thousand. Um so so far you have eight thousand a month for your place. So you're looking at two thousand a week added to that forty four hundred, right? So you're looking at sixty four hundred dollars a week that you need to cover your overhead or you to cover your rent, just your rent, not the utilities. Utilities, let's go ahead and add in let's say that it's about Let's say that it's $2,500 a week. That's that's really, really, really... I think it's a lot. But back to that $4,400 for the labor. $6,900 for rent, utilities, and labor. That's it. $6,900 a week to just cover that stuff. We're not even into food yet, y'all. Like, we're not even into food. And um, we're going to stop there. Because $6,900 a week, and you're open every week, year... Just in labor and rent and utilities, you're paying three hundred fifty-eight thousand eight hundred dollars a year. So these are real questions that we need to ask. These are real things we need to think about. We need to we need to get creative. That's what I'm getting at. Is because yes, I agree. These people need to be paid, and they need to be paid well. Because a lot of these people are in poverty. A lot of people can't even afford rent. See, I'm looking at things from both sides, which is I think what we need to be doing with everything. Like. People can't make it right now, but businesses also seem to not be able to make it either. So, what needs to change? And so that's where I'm going to end this. So we've been talking. I've been talking in circles around different things. I've been I've been towing the line. I've been I've been you know straddling the fence per se on on which side I'm really going to fight for. Um, you've heard some of my ideas of how I want to run household, um, and it might be idealistic. It may not even be possible, but I'm still going to try to do it. What do we do? What should we do? I want to hear from you guys, like no matter what you think, I want to hear what you have to say about um, people's wages and the fact that most people can't afford anything right now and that businesses are also going out left and right because they can't afford anything right now and it just seems like uh, everything is just kind of failing. Um, So how do we fix this? What do we do? Um, so, uh, hit me up on, on social media. Um, I'll be posting when I post this podcast, I'll be posting kind of like a a Q and a thing. Um, and just kind of getting people's thoughts. Um, let's all get together. Let's have a conversation. Let's figure out how we can do better for our communities and for, for everything. All right, guys, I'll see you next week. This has been an episode of finding Walter presented by the household podcast network. Household is a hospitality and media collective based in Fort Worth, Texas, focused on eclectic food, single-origin coffee roasting, and building community. Our goal is to create experiences that better the human community. You can find us online at www.wearehousehold.com and on Instagram at wearehousehold. <laughs>